1: With compelling interviews, cutting edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Now, here is your host, Kelly
2: Riggs. Hey, and hello, everyone. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. It is Biz Locker Radio presented by the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board with us this is the online business radio show that i will guarantee you will provide compelling conversations and not only that useful content that you can use today our guests or a virtual who's who of experts, whether you're in uh, business, or you sell a product, or you manage a team, or lead a company, this is definitely the show for you. We're going to improve your business performance. We're going to do it today. Guarantee you that's the case with today's guest. We've got experts in sales and marketing, social media, business strategy, leadership, much, much more. It is Biz Locker Radio, and of course, I am your host, Kelly Riggs. Thanks for joining me. You can find me online on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. You can find the show at bizlockerradio.com and, of course, the corporate website, bizlockerroom.com. Hey, by the way, this is show number 57. Today's, uh, I'm sorry, 58. Last week was 57. 58. It is called The Ultimate Business Formula. And we're going to welcome in in just a few minutes my good friend and special guest, John Spence, who's one of the coaches right here in the business locker room. What that means is he produces some outstanding content. That we publish on our blog every single month. You'll want to be a part of that. Again, you can find us at bizlockerroom.com. Do like I do. This is such a fantastic show. And I don't say that because of me, I say that because of the guests that I put on this show. And they are some of the great ones out there. But I download the podcast on iTunes and I listen to it on my daily commute. I'm back and forth in the show, in the car. I'm listening to the show, which is interesting because there's always so many notes to take. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. Let me give you an example. Last week, from all the way across uh, the other side of the world from me in Australia, we had Tony Hughes on with us, and it was the art and science of social selling. And we got very deep into social selling and the enormous success that Tony has had. Of course, you can find him at RSVPselling.com. But if you didn't listen to that episode, you need to go back, find it on iTunes or Stitcher or on our website, biz locker room and you want to download that thing and listen to it because it was absolutely phenomenal. By the way, later in the show, as we always do, well, almost always, sometimes uh, Miles is not with us, but Miles Austin, my good friend from Seattle, Washington, will join us. You can find him online, fillthefunnel.com. This guy knows more about the business and productivity tools that you need, the digital tools, and he brings all of that to us on this show, Biz locker Radio in the X's and O's segment. Today, hey, don't turn off your brain. Today we're going to talk about WordPress. Yeah, I know, you you know about WordPress. You probably use it if you have any kind of website or blog at all, but Miles is going to bring us up to date. So much has changed in the last two years, like everything else that's online. A lot of those things have changed and there may be some things that you're not using or not aware of, so we're going to talk about those. Today, my guest on BizLucker Radio, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, I'm absolutely proud to call him a friend. He brings an incredible knowledge to sales, business development, business in general, and we're going to talk about the ultimate business formula. We're going to unpack that, examine some of the essential business strategies from John's book, number one on my list, I got to tell you, I recommend it to everybody I come into contact with, awesomely simple, fabulous book. John, for the last decade, has been working side-by-side on business improvement projects with executives in all kinds of industries, and he's been recognized for that. In his book, Awesomely Simple, he takes a hard look at business and evaluates whether it's exceeding or not in the six critical areas that you need to look at to create success. By the way, he's affectionately known as Human Cliff Notes. John, great to have you in the show, my friend. Thanks for joining us.
3: Oh, it's my honor. It's my pleasure, Kelly. I'm excited to be here today and give your listeners some really good, solid tools and information they can use.
2: Well, I, you've been on before, and, and it's, we've never talked that I didn't come away with some great stuff. Before we get started, John, tell us about the uh, moniker "Human Cliff Notes." Where does that come from?
3: Oh, uh, I've uh, I've been reading them hundred to 120 business books a year every year since 1989. I listen to another probably 30 to 50 books on audio. Your podcast, multiple podcasts, so. I spend a good portion of my life, or dedicate it, to learning everything I possibly can about how to run a successful business, and take complex things and make them simple.
2: Yeah, and of course, you came out with your book uh, just a couple of years ago, awesomely simple. I know it has done extremely well. And again, for those listening, you want to make sure you find the book because it's just it's it's content rich. I mean, it's packed. It's not a fluff book. It's not some ideas about things you might think about doing differently. I mean, it gets down into the tactical level. In fact, let's just start there because one of, I, I've, I've read the book a couple of times, John. In the book, you say, quote, the only truly sustainable competitive advantage left is the creation of a corporate culture that is solidly built on a foundation of continuous innovation and extreme customer focus. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you came to that conclusion. It, it seems a, a little obvious, but it's not so obvious in execution, is it?
3: No, no. There's a, Well, there's a couple ideas here. I mean, you know, we have the four P's of the traditional marketing mix, product, price, place, promotion. Uh, they've added a fifth, which is people, which is really the only one that stores. But, you know, product, people can, unless you've got a proprietary algorithm or some some, you know, drug that's on patent or something like that, For most people, your product can be reverse engineered, it can be rebuilt, or someone can build something very, very similar, a.k.a. your service as well. Uh, Price, there's always somebody willing to drop their price and go out of business faster than you. Uh, Promotion, there's always somebody willing to throw more money at their stuff or just copy your promotion immediately. I mean, I think for a lot of businesses, you put up a special, you put up something new on your website, your competitor has almost the exact same offer in about 15 minutes. Uh, and then place, place doesn't exist anymore. I mean, look at Amazon and, you know, everybody else. That I can pretty much order anything I want and have it delivered to my house tomorrow, most of the time for free. So when I look at that, and, and I teach a class from, at the Wharton School on this, uh, to me, for many companies, most of the people probably listening to this this uh, radio show, the only two sustainable competitive advantages you have are the quality the people that you can get, grow, and keep on your team and the relationships they create with your customers. So to me, it it should be a strategic focus of your business for talent acquisition, talent development, and talent retention, and then owning the voice of the customer, getting as close to your customers as you humanly can, and creating the strongest relationships you can because that's like an economic moat around your business, and your customers will tell you what to sell them, how to sell at what price, and once you get that close, that's exceedingly hard to copy or steal away. So those two competitive advantages. Now, few people have things that can be defended, but all strategy comes down, and this is a very simple phrase, but it's extremely powerful. All effective strategy is just valued differentiation times disciplined execution. In other words, you've got to bring something unique, valuable, exciting, compelling that's, a, that's defendable, very hard to copy, that your customers value highly, and then you've got to execute on it every day. Again, sounds simple, devilishly hard.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it, but John Spence is my guest. Find him online at johnspence.com. Again, follow him on Twitter as well, at awesomely simple. And, and the reality, John, is is that you're going to have a great product or service, but if you're missing the talent, if you're missing the, the, the people that can execute, or if you don't execute well, it really doesn't matter how great your product is, is it?
3: No, no. I mean, you know, we've all heard the old cliche, and I hate to even use it, is you know, build a better mousetrap, people will beat it back to your door. That's not true. There's amazing mousetraps. I mean, I, I, travel all over the world teaching. I've met some incredibly brilliant people that have unbelievably cool strategies, neat products, neat services, really unique, but they can't execute on them. And that lack of execution does not, hinders them from being successful. It's one thing to understand something. It's another thing to, to live it and do it. Uh, and it's that taking ideas and turning them into action in the marketplace. It's so incredibly valuable to date.
2: John, here's what I don't understand. I, you talk to guys like yourself. It talk to a lot of smart people in, in the business world. yet And they understand, hey, it takes great people. It takes solid performance management. And yet, almost every company I have ever come into contact with does not have a defined strategy for identifying, hiring, retaining, training,
3: developing A-level talent. What, why is that? Well, it, it, because people are really difficult, they're challenging, they're unique, they're material, uh, and it's really hard to to specifically put metrics on talent development, talent growth, talent retention. There's a few businesses that do it, but it, it takes time, it takes effort, you have to think it through, you've got you've to create a competency model around the top people in your organization and understand why they're the top, why they're their A players and then be able to sort of replicate them through training, development, hiring, retention. And um, most organizations will give lip service to people, people, people. People are most important. But very few put in the strategic initiatives and really focus on if people are most important asset or our best people are most important asset, why are we not investing in that, watching it carefully, growing it, and bringing in more people like that? They talk about it, but again, they don't live it.
2: Yeah, my, my perspective is and my experience is john that we even make that situation worse because when we do get great talent we typically will promote them into management leaders positions and we don't train them eaters either so we lose the great talent and we we pick up average or mediocre leaders at the same time
3: yeah when you know good good people always have options if, if they're really talented really bright if they don't enjoy the well, I, i'll give you some quick research right? I looked at 10,000 high-potential employees from top companies around the world, people that I've worked with, top 50 at Microsoft, top 50 at Merrill Lynch, on and on. And I asked them, why do you work where you work? These people are so talented. They could get a job anywhere. If they quit their job at 9 in the morning, they have a new one at noon. And they told me six key things. Number one was pay. But the interesting thing is all they said is we need fair pay. Just 10% above or below what I would make to do the same job anyplace else. Get parity on pay. Pay comes off the table as a motivator. Next one, I want to do challenging work. I want to come in every day and use my brain and be thinking and do challenging, exciting, meaningful work. Number the next one was I want to work with cool colleagues. A players want to be on a team with other A players. You know that from the sports analogy. Mm -hmm. The best of the best, only want to play with the best. Uh, The next one is I want a winning culture. I want a place that's fun, engaging, exciting. And then the last two are really interesting to me. And so we've got fair pay, challenging work, cool colleagues, winning culture. Then the next one, I have to have personal and professional growth. I've got to know that every week I can look back. I learned something new. I got a new skill. I, I, I'm getting smarter than I was last week, and I've got to be able to look up and see that there's a position for me five years down the road, ten years down the road. I can see myself in this business. If really talented people are on your team, they don't feel like they're growing every week, and they can't see themselves in the business in five or ten years, they will leave immediately. And then the last one, and I think this is the most important, is I work for a leader I respect and admire. When you give them those six elements, then the best of the best will stay. When you don't, they have options. They leave. And only the ones who can't get a job anyplace else stay
2: with you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Well, you know, you know, I begin to look at that and look at the average company, and they've got the vast majority of their focus, John, on number one, getting the pay right, particularly benefits as, as a part of that. And then many times they're, they are they have a sense perhaps of some challenging work. But three, four, five, and six, yeah, you know, we don't have time for that. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. remarkable. Our guest today on BizLocker Radio is John Spence, at Awesomely Simple. You're going to want to buy his book. I've got a copy right here on the top of my stack. Looking at it yesterday again, as a matter of fact, Awesomely Simple. It's Essential Business Strategies for Turning Ideas into Action. We're going to take our first time out, and we're going to come back on the other side. I'm going to ask John about a bunch of things, typically – We talk about things like culture and communication and those kinds of things. We're going to review the ultimate business formula. He gave you an insight into that. We'll come back and look at some of the components, and we're going to unpack some tactics that you can use when we come back. Let's go ahead and take our first time out. We'll do it right now. We'll come back on the other side. This is BizLocker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit vmaxpg.com. That's vmaxpg.com.
2: Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. How do you take a company from zero to a $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand-new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now, in his brand-new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at amazon.com today.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
3: This is Dan Walshman, and
2: you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Ah, Great to have you back here on Biz Locker Radio. By the way, next week, another one of the coaches from the locker room will step in. I'll talk to Stephen Gaffney, and he is widely acknowledged as one of the premier experts in business communication, workplace communication, cultural communication. That's going to be great stuff. You'll want to join us. I cannot even begin to tell you. How great the lineup is coming down the road. We've got some fantastic guests lined up. Guys like Matt Hines and Jeffrey James from Inc. Magazine. We've got a lot of really fantastic people lined up. So I want to encourage you to find us. Find us online at bizlockerradio.com. Find us on iTunes. Download that podcast. We're talking to John Spence, the author of Awesomely Simple. And we unpacked the ultimate business formula early on. Value differentiation times disciplined execution. All strategy comes down to those two things. And John, for for some of the organizations that you work with, it's it's really difficult to find that value differentiation, isn't it?
3: Yeah, for a lot of organizations that are that are, you know, in a highly competitive arena. Well, I gi- I'll give you an example. I was just uh, talking to the board of directors of an 80 billion dollar bank, and I asked them, what do you do that's unique, valuable, compelling, different that's exceedingly hard for your competitors to copy or the impossible? that your customers highly, highly valued and willing to spend a lot of money on that you can execute on flawlessly every day. And their answer was nothing. <laughs> we don't do it. In- we sell money. And wow. you know, especially for something like that, it's, it's going to come down to the quality of the people on your team and the relationships they create with their customers. When I told them you can give a 25% you know, interest bond, but you'll be bankrupt by the end of the week. Uh, so yes. other than that, you know, they've got to have top talent and extreme customer focus.
2: Well, it's, but it's interesting, John. I mean, I can hear people uh, in listening to this show right now saying, well, who cares? They're $80 billion. They have to be doing something right.
3: Well, it's it's called install base, number of uh, uh, branches, uh, the type of you know, assets they have under control. So, yes, they're doing something right. Uh, they're offering good products, good services. They have good people. But at the end of the day, it's, it's hard for them to say we do something insanely unique and different as compared to our competitors. Because uh, you right. can walk across the street, you may or may not get the same service level, but they got pretty much the same products, they have almost the same interest rates, they have the same saving account rates. So you're right, 80 billion, they're doing something right, and it's and it's probably their people, their, and it might be their vision, their mission, their values, the things that people look up to. But they wanted to take it to the next level. They wanted to move out in front of the competition. They wanted to grow even more, and they were having a hard time putting their finger on how do we create a strategy that'll differentiate us?
2: Well, and the reality is, if they don't do that, then they're likely to be irrelevant in the future. One of the things that uh, you talked about is extreme customer focus as as one of the two real critical parts. I, I am I am never ceased to be amazed, John, that service and attention to customers is so poor in so many companies when that is the one area that you can really create some differentiation are companies just lazy do they not know how what's your assessment
3: my assessment is that people at the top of the organization believe they're doing a good job they think they have great customer service but there's two problems in my opinion in many organizations number one is they don't truly own the voice of the customer they do not really listen to their customers intently um, most of the businesses I work in are, unfortunately, pathetic at really, truly putting in the systems and the processes necessary to understand their customers, you know, surveys, online surveys, uh, focus groups, VIP groups, customer advisory panels, net promoter score, uh, social media surveys, uh, comment cards, every way you can think of to own the voice of the customer. Most companies don't do that. And the number two is they don't understand that the frontline employees are the company. To the normal consumer, you don't get to meet the president, the vice president, the director, the regional director. You don't meet those people. You meet the, per- the cashier at the bank. You meet the bad boy or bad girl and cash- cashier at the grocery store. You meet the one person standing at the counter at your dry cleaners. They might have a great upper management team, but I'm dealing with the surly person up front or the really good person up front. They make or break it, and they usually get the least attention and the least training.
2: You know, when I ask, the the example of Chick-fil-A always comes up of, of how well they execute, regardless of the market that you're in, the geographical area that you're in. And, John, they're doing it with teenagers, by and large. It, it, it really dispels this whole notion that, A, young people won't make good employees, and, and, B, that you can't push it down into a service retail industry, where typically the pay is not as good as, as other industries how are companies like Chick-fil-A able to translate performance excellence all the way down to the street level?
3: It's a very, very simple strategy. They, they are very particular in their hiring. They've got a unique type of person that they really, really want. They've got extremely strong corporate values that those young people uh, connect to and feel good about, and they give them massive training. They don't do it with expense. They do videos. They do, you know, uh, simulcast. They do all kinds of reading and books and studying. So they hit three key things. Hire right, hire for values, and get them excited about the organization and the future organization, and spend a lot of money on training and support. Not pay. They don't pay it much better than anybody else. But people look at that as an entry-level job that they have lots of opportunity, and they're going to learn incredible communications, leadership skills, you know, it's it's not something you become rich on working at Chick-fil-A, but you get enriched a lot and allow you to move on to the next level or stay in that company and grow. Yeah,
2: uh, it's it's an interesting point, one I hadn't considered. When you talk about value differentiation times disciplined execution, you're you're referring to an organizational level approach. But I, but I would suspect the same thing could be said of an individual salesperson working for a company. Is that a fair observation on my part?
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's two things that I tell people. I mean, this this applies exactly, especially to a salesperson who's going to be a consultative salesperson who has to differentiate themselves by their expertise, their insight, their ideas, the information they bring. Uh, and if you, and again, if you can't execute on those ideas, there's no way you will be successful. Here's another phrase that I, I heard recently that applies both at the corporate level, but I really think it applies at the personal level too, and for salespeople and and managers and leaders especially, is to be successful in the future, the rate of internal innovation must exceed the rate of external innovation. For a company, that means you've got to be smarter, you got to have a better strategy, you've got to be agile, adaptable, nimble, and be more innovative than anyone you compete against. But on a personal level, that means you've got to commit yourself to lifelong learning, to constant innovation, to constant growth. adding value and you've got to do it faster than everyone around you that you compete with shoot sounds easy exceedingly big big idea
0: yeah no
2: question about it. if you're listening for the very first time this is episode number 58 It's called The Ultimate Business Formula. My guest is John Spence, and he is some kind of awesome. That's his uh, Twitter handle, at Awesomely Simple, and he wrote a book called Awesomely Simple. You can find him at johnspence.com. First thing you should do when this podcast or this live recording is over Go on to Amazon, download that book immediately. I I can assure you it's going to impact the way you do business. John, so many people ask me when they know that you're going to be on the show, please ask John something about hiring. Help me with some tactics. How do I find better people? How do I hire better talent? Help me improve the the quality of people that I put in the organization. What would you say to them?
3: I'd say that hiring is a 24-hour, 7-day, 365-day a year effort. It's not just when you need somebody. You should have a deep bench of ten, fifteen, twenty 15, 20 people you'd love, love, love to hire if you just have the spot open. Because so many people, they wait until somebody quits, somebody gets fired, somebody leaves, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I need somebody. You should be looking for top talent all year long. Number two is you need a real clear set of expectations and what you want that person to do. Uh, oftentimes, I see people get into interviews the interviewer talks 90% of the time. The interviewee talks 10. They hire them because they like them, and then they realize they don't have the skills. And then the and then another big one is the values match. The, I, you know, they've said it before: hire for attitude and aptitude, train for skills. If somebody doesn't love customer service, if they're not excited about sales, if they don't really want to be a, a values-based leader, there's no class you can send them to to change them. You know, if somebody lies, they're always a liar. I'm not going to teach them to be honest. So. Those are a couple of things. The biggest thing, though, is you need to be hiring all the time and looking for the best talent and then lining up a deep bench, great example from sports, of people you can, you can go to when you need mm-hmm. somebody and put them into play right away.
2: You know, I I think back to Marcus Buckingham's book, First Break, All the Rules, and one of the interesting things that that came out of that you sort of harped on just then, and that is great managers all sort of realize that people are basically who they are. You're not going to change someone's uh, basic innate talents, their character traits, the way they see life, those kinds of things, and many times we're not even evaluating those things when it comes to the position. We're really hung up on the individual uh, skills or the individual tasks that we're going to ask employees to do every day rather than really looking at what their overall capabilities and mindsets are. Isn't that true?
3: Yeah, it's true. And you know, I mentioned, I think the last time I was on the show, if I were to buy one book uh, on hiring, it would be the book who, and I think I'm not sure who that's by. I think it's Jeff smart and, and somebody street. Uh, but that one, the thing that they really talk about there is don't look at skills, look at demonstrated uh, proficiency. In other words, I, I could have someone sit in front of me, I've been to Miller-Hyman training, I've been to that training, I've been to spend selling, I've been to that, that, and the other. And then he said, great, what was your quota and how well did you perform against that quota? <laughs> said, oh, did you sell, if your quota was 3 million, did you sell 3 million or 4 million? If you can sell, I don't care how many trainings you've been to. I don't have care how many degrees you have. I just care that you can get in and do what you say you will do and deliver value. I could have an awesome recipe and not be able to sell anything. So yeah, you know, sure. that's the thing who really goes to.
2: Well, I think that's really interesting because one of the questions I always like to ask is, tell me what your objective or goal or quota was last year. Before you started the year, tell, tell me about the plan that you put together and what was the key components of that plan that you were going to use to increase your sales from the previous year and those kind of things. And, and you know, So many things people come up with have no semblance to a plan. In my world, if you can't create a plan for sales success, I don't give you much chance of being successful.
3: Yeah, I've I've been the owner and CEO of 10 companies, three of them, multinational. And when I'm doing really critical hiring, I only have one question to get the thing started off. I look at my clock, I look at the candidate, and I say, could you take the next 30 to 45 minutes and in as much detail as possible, tell me everything you know about our company, our top three competitors, our industry, and where you see it in five years. If they can't answer that question... The interview doesn't
2: go any further. Uh, Yeah, if you don't have the basics down when you sit down for an interview, we probably have a problem. John Spence is our guest. We're going to take our second time out. And we're going to come back on the other side and talk about addressing performance issues. and. Uh, Things that that will help you in the communication side as as an individual employee or manager. A lot of things about culture. You want to stay tuned. This is going to be great stuff from John Spence on the other side. Again, later at uh, quarter till, we'll take our final break. And when we do that, we'll bring Austin Miles in, the Fill the Funnel guy, fillthefunnel.com. We're going to talk X's and O's. And yes, we're going to talk about WordPress Stick around because we're going to get into some good stuff. Uh, I'm going to take this time out. We'll come back on the other side. Be rejoined by John Spence. I'm Kelly Riggs. This is Biz Locker Radio.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
0: Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit vmaxpg.com. That's vmaxpg.com.
2: Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. How do you take a company from zero to to $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years. Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
3: Hi, this is Jeff
2: Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. Oh my gosh, my, my email blowing up here in uh, Biz locker room as uh, everybody noticed that my esteemed co-host, I can't get his name right, you know, I said it backwards. Well, the thing is, is there's really a famous guy out there in, in the football world named Miles Austin. I'm just trying to help Miles with some branding, some identity. Uh, and, and the fact that I completely just screwed that up, <laughs> Miles will join us, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, he'll join us after uh, the next uh, break. We'll talk X's and O's with him. And thanks to Michael Sergit, my engineer, he always makes me sound way, way better than I really am. We're going to wrap up with uh, John Spence, my guest today on BizLocker Radio. We're going to talk about culture. John, I, I think most people have a sense that culture is critically important. It's the most important thing. I mean, you start talking about value differentiation and disciplined execution. If you don't have the right people in the right culture, then clearly you're never going to be able to execute at all. What's the key to culture? How do we make this thing work?
3: Well, the, the, <laughs> that's a tough question. The key to culture is, is as a leader, you can't form it, but you can be a living example of what you want. Um, you know, If you want a, a high accountability culture, then you've got to be highly accountable yourself. If you want a uh, values-focused culture, then you've got to be values-focused yourself. So this is one of those ones, really, where you have to lead by example and create a culture that supports uh, that Well, well, positive reinforcement for positive behavior, negative reinforcement for negative behavior. When someone supports and lives the culture, you hold them up as an example. When someone violates the culture, you deal decisively with that. And, you know, here I heard one of my very favorite quotes, Walt Disney quote, when values are clear, decisions are easy. When the corporate values, the organizational mission, vision values is extremely clear, highly well communicated, understood by all, decisions are faster, decisions are right, decisions are on target, big, big idea. And the, the, the thing that I just said is the most important, well communicated. One of the number one things that, that runs a, a very successful organization is, and listen carefully, a sharply focused and well-communicated vision and strategy for growth. Absolutely critical.
2: Well, I think, I think most company leaders got the memo about the need for <laughs> mission, vision, and values, uh, but they missed the memo on the execution side of that thing. They, they've all got it up on a poster on the wall, John, uh, but it doesn't really seem to be embedded into the DNA of the corporate culture. What, is, there, is there any secret to making that transition? I mean, we can get out at an off-site and come up with all of that stuff. How do we put it into play?
3: Well, there's, there's, uh, this is something I've studied a great deal. I uh, did some work for Apple on this. And, to, and another word for execution is accountability. And to me, there's five key things to accountability. Uh, number one, you have to get 100% clarity plus the appropriate authority and resources for the person you're going to hold accountable. So if I'm going to hold you accountable for a major project in my company, a major deliverable, something big and important, I have to get extreme clarity about what my expectations are. What's the due date? What are the metrics? What does success look like? What is your budget? What are your resources? What's your authority? I mean, i got to get down in very, very clear detail about exactly what I expect. Then I do have to make sure that I give them enough authority and resources to carry it out. Step one. Step two, then, is I have to get 100% agreement, which, all you know, these first two steps are critical. I have to have the person that I'm going to hold accountable look me in the eyes and say, I understand the metrics, I understand what success looks, I understand the schedule, I understand the due date, on and on and on, and also say, I think this is a reasonable goal, and I accept 100% accountability. Without those first two steps, you do not have accountability. Step three is how you run through the culture, which is track and post, track and post. You need to put it on a dashboard. It needs to be visible to everybody and exceedingly easy to understand. So people can look at it, glance at it, and know, how am I doing against my goals? And everyone else in the organization knows how everyone else is standing against their goals. When you cut down all the trees like that, it totally changes the level of accountability. Number four, then, is coach, mentor, and train. Most people feel like when you're tracking them, you're tracking them to punish them, to withhold their bonus, to tell them they're doing wrong. What you need to show them on this thing is you're tracking them to run in and help them. But when they go from, let's say, green to yellow, that they don't get yelled at, that four or five people show up at Costco, what do you need help with? Do you need more resources? How can I help you? How can I coach you, mentor you, train you? And then last but not least is success, you know, celebrate success lavishly. I don't mean by throwing money at them, but employee of the month, an award, or something, mm-hmm. and then deal decisively again with mediocrity. You know, refuse to tolerate mediocrity. If you do those five things and you do them well and consistently, you will create a culture where people hold themselves accountable and where everybody else holds each other accountable, which is very rare.
2: Yeah, it is very rare. By the way, if you're listening, you may be screaming at the radio and asking me why I haven't found or or passed along the information. With regards to the book that John mentioned, the name of that book that had to do with hiring is entitled Who?, W-H-O, written by a couple of guys named Jeff Smart and Randy Street. He mentioned that. And he had them right. It came out in 2008. Make sure you add that to your reading list. You talk a lot about training, and uh, there's there's two topics I want to end with today. One, one is something you just mentioned, but let me go back to training for just a minute, John. No matter how much you talk about training, companies tend to see that as an expense. They see it as overhead. When times are tougher in a lean years, they'll always click off training as one of the things to get rid of. And yet every example we have in the sports world in particular and the military and other places is train, 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 train. Here's the excuse I always hear. Kelly, you don't understand. Those people only perform once a week. They get to train all week. We don't have that luxury. We have to perform every day. We don't have time, and it's an expense. It really works against us. How do you answer
3: that? Well, it's and I'm going to give you a cliche around it, and then I'm going to give you one thing that I've seen lately. I'll jump on the other side of it. Everyone he says, you know, if you don't train your people, the mediocre ones stay. Because you know, I hear a lot of people, oh, I don't want to spend all that money on training because they'll just jump to another company. So don't train them and let the ones who don't know how to do stay. Um, tra- if, If your people are your most important asset, they're the ones that are going to drive your success. You've got to invest in them. And training doesn't have to be massively expensive. We've got tons of, you know, uh, iPods. I mean, what we're listening to, iTunes right now, listening to Mm -hmm. radios, listening to podcasts, going to YouTube and getting videos. You can do some darn good training at a reasonable price. Uh, but here's the other caveat that I want to throw in here. And I've seen this recently in a couple of my classes people don't realize how much their company's investing in them, and they don't take the training seriously. Um, I just did a strategic planning retreat for a company, 11 directors. All of them showed up, with, showed up with no pen, no pencil, nothing to write on, no laptops, no iPads, nothing. How do you come to a full-day strategic planning retreat uh, you know, that you're spending a ton of money on, and no one comes prepared to learn? I saw it the next week with a group that, Again, I had to hand out pens and yellow pads. And I'm like, you're going to spend an entire day with a a pretty good trainer. Your company's invested a lot of time, money, and you don't even care enough to bring a pencil. So I think there's a little bit on both sides. The companies need to spend the money, but they also need to really get their employees to understand that if you don't take this seriously, you won't be here.
2: (laughs) It, It is shocking. I have exactly the same experience. People come into half-day, full-day trainings, and uh, every once in a while, they'll, they'll grab a little notepad on the way in and have to borrow somebody's pen or pencil. Uh, they, they really don't have any way of, of codifying the things that they're going to learn. I think you've alluded to it, John, but, it, but is, 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 that a, is that a generational thing? Is it a, is it a technology
3: laziness that's been created? What, what's caused that in society today? Well, I don't know if it's society today because I've been seeing it for years. And the pe- most of the people I'm talking about are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. So I don't think it's a millennial thing or a Gen Z thing per se. Right. I mean, I have, the, I've had the millennials and the Gen Z sit all day long in their computer. And at first I'm upset and then I look around the corner. They're taking notes furiously or they're, I got some in the front row that are videotaped or not video, but they're, they're taping or not taping. They're recording. You can tell how old I am. They put it <laughs> on a videotape. They record the thing and then they go back and watch it over and over again. I have no problem with people that bring in an iPad and type away and use that stuff. But the person who's on their phone doing email the whole time, you know, as a trainer, I don't get to say this stuff, but if they work for me, if, unless it was an emergency, they would no longer be employed. Because if I'm going to spend all that money and you're not serious, I don't want you on my team. In um, some of the companies I used to run, I used to give everybody $1,000 a year to invest in themselves in some kind of training. I didn't care what. In addition to all the corporate training, they got 1000 bucks. If they got to the end of the year and they didn't use $1,000, they were, they were made available to industry. <laughs> so if, they weren't, if they didn't want to invest in themselves, I didn't want them on my team. And I think it's partially just people don't care. They, they just want to show up, do their work, go home, have a beer, and forget about it. And that's okay if you want to run a mediocre company.
2: Sure. Well they, but you come full circle. I mean, it really is hard to find talented people. That just makes that part of the equation that much more important. If you don't have a strategy for identifying and acquiring talent, that's the kind of people you're going to be putting in the training room in the first place.
3: Yeah, and I can understand why a company wouldn't want to spend money on that. Why would yeah, I don't want to spend about it? All my people who sit there staring blankly at the wall for the whole day, it's a terrible investment. Now the other culture where everybody comes in, they're leaning forward, they got notepads, they got stuff. They're asking questions. That's the kind
2: of culture you want. Yeah, and, and when you start talking about those critical values, that I would suspect that someone who wants to grow and learn might be one of those critical values to find out about. John Spence has been my guest, and we're going to wrap it up. One last question, John. It's something that comes up all the time. I mean, every company has performance issues. You've sort of danced around this, even addressed it directly a couple of times with comments, but most companies struggle to address performance issues? I've heard every excuse in the book. The most common ones are, uh, you know, fear of conflict. And the second one is, listen, I really don't even have time. They're only 80% or 70%, but if I drop them, I got to do their job, then I've got a hire train. I don't have time for that. I'm overburdened, understaffed. H- how do people address performance issues effectively?
3: Two things. A, that's why you want a deep bench of lots of people. I heard a, uh, one of my clients once say, you didn't understand, John, my mediocre people hold me hostage because I don't have anybody to replace them with. That's the business owner's fault. I mean, that's an unbelievable strong idea. Then the performance issue number two is getting, the way you fix that is get very, very clear, specific, binary, written metrics and job roles and responsibilities. No gap. Here's another one of my favorite phrases. Ambiguity breeds mediocrity. The reason that people have a hard time holding people accountable is I don't feel like you're trying to, it doesn't seem to me like you achieved that goal. When the goals are specific, measurable, binary, you can say, I like you a lot, but you didn't achieve your goal. You're okay, but the performance wasn't acceptable. You said you were going to sell 3 million, you sold 2.1 million. Where's the other 900,000? So it's not me against you, it's me and you together against the binary metric goal where there's no arguing. And we can both look at the data, and you know you didn't achieve your goal. And I'm not picking on you. I'm not being mean. There's no conflict. There's no politics. There's no personality. You did not achieve what you committed to achieving. No guessing.
2: Yeah, fantastic stuff from my guest, John Spence. Find him at johnspence.com. You're going to want to make sure you're getting all of the things that he puts out. By the way, some of that is at bizlockerroom.com. Once a month, John writes a fantastic piece for us as one of our coaches. want we'll to encourage you to get online and find those as well. He's on Twitter at awesomely simple. John, it's been a pleasure. Loved your book, Awesomely Simple. Always great to have you on the show, my friend. Thanks for being here.
3: My pleasure, my honor. Thanks so much, Kelly.
2: Super deal. We're going to come back on the other side of the break, and we will have the aforementioned Miles Austin on for the X's and O's segment. You're going to stay with us. It's going to be good stuff. I'm Kelly Riggs. This is Biz Locker Radio on Voice America.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
0: Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit vmaxpg.com. That's vmaxpg.com.
2: Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. How do you take a company from zero to a $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today.
1: voice america business network the bottom line in business
3: hi i'm john spence one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world and you're listening to the business locker room with kelly riggs
2: hey great to have you back here in the business locker room biz locker radio brought to you by the business locker room And many thanks to John Spence, absolutely fantastic guests, and uh, for for as much street cred as he has and as uh, much as he brings to the table, uh, one of the really, truly nice guys that I've ever run into. We turn our attention to the X's and O's segment, my friend Miles Austin. Yeah,
4: I got it right, Miles Austin. He joins us from Seattle, Washington. Miles, great to have you, buddy. Thanks, pal. Glad to be here and uh, all recovering up here from a really, we thought, exciting uh, U.S. Open over the weekend.
2: Thought it was spectacular. Man, did that thing turn around, what, two or three times in the last four holes? Pretty wild. It makes it fun to watch golf on TV. Uh, yeah, a lot of people didn't like the golf course, but I thought it was pretty spectacular. Hey, we got a lot of work to do today because you've got to convince the listeners that there's something sexy about WordPress. It's been around forever, Miles. Why did we decide to talk about WordPress?
4: Well, you know what? I'll tell you. The reason I wanted to bring it up, Kelly, is as I travel, and as you know, I teach a lot of business people about tools in general, but a question that gets asked a lot is, Miles, if you had only one tool you could use, what would it be? And, you know, it's a hard question because our CRM tools are important, our email tools, but as I've thought about it now over and over again, I thought, you know, the truth was if I had only one tool left in the world to hold on to as someone in business, I would hold on to my WordPress account. Wow. Why? WordPress truly, honestly, is, can be, and should be the core base foundational platform for everything that you do in your digital life. And when I say everything, I mean everything from who you are, to what you do, to what you share, to collecting money, to selling products, to growing your business and building your network. Everything that you want and need to do in business today can be done from a WordPress site. And I'm talking at the individual level. Of course, Chase Bank isn't going to use WordPress, generally speaking. Um, of course, um, you know, the really, really big brands, HP, um, has probably 100 WordPress installations. But they run their, their organization on a much different level. But at a personal level... I am convinced without any hesitation that the number one tool that every business person individually should own and have a working basic knowledge of is WordPress.
2: Well, there's a lot of good reason for that, clearly. I mean, number one, it's absolutely free to use and it's always being updated, and, and there are so much more available now. Miles, I mean, I can remember when we first started with WordPress, and I'm certainly not one of those guys you would put in the expert category, but I've got, a, like you said, a very good working knowledge of WordPress, but back in the day, it was a way to get up a basic website and a blog. It is so much more now, isn't it?
4: Well, it is, and Kelly, you know, here's what I always relate to people, you know, and I don't want to get into the you know, the iPhone versus Android argument. That's just, that's more for fun and entertainment. The fact of the matter is I look at WordPress. the depends on which research you find and read. It's between, and it powers, WordPress now powers between 20 and 25% of all websites in the world. So what that means to me and why that's important to our listeners is that means if I'm a smart person who wants to develop Applications, tools, plugins, etc., for people. The odds are, my biggest opportunity financially is to develop for WordPress. At least develop for WordPress first. Just like on on mobile phones, if I'm a smart developer, I'm going to develop first on iPhone and the iOS platform because it is the largest, most controlled data base out there. Doesn't mean there's more phones that don't run Android. That's not my point. That universe, that collection of tools and talent is stronger with Apple as it is stronger with WordPress than any other platform. In fact, very honestly, all other platforms combined.
2: Well, the interesting thing about it is is there are so much secondary market stuff available for WordPress now that uh, works, in my experience at least, so seamlessly now with, with WordPress. It's become an extraordinarily powerful engine. Tell me about some of the critical pieces and parts that you can bolt onto WordPress that make an awful lot of sense for the individual or the small company.
4: Sure. I'll use an example that I think most listeners are really familiar with. is the struggle of managing the time to do social media well, right? We all mm-hmm. struggle. I don't have time for doing Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn posts. There are plugins that are free that you can work and install within your WordPress application where you write your post. You share your information and your thoughts on your WordPress installation, home base, if you will that then take that information and automatically populate all of your social media platforms with shortened links with graphics whatever you want you set them up and with some of the more advanced plugins in of this type you can actually schedule maybe you want your facebook um, version of this post to go out at eight o'clock you want your twitter post to go out at eleven o'clock You want a synopsis of all of your posts to go out in an email every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. That's the kind of integration that's now available. So you have one tool, you write once, and it does all what I call all the plumbing of the Internet for you in an automated way.
2: And you know, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that, that you and I have talked a little bit about and I've, I've seen recently is uh, the, the interconnected world is getting tighter and tighter. Companies like LinkedIn, as an example, acquire some of the things that, that uh, are important. One of the most recent is SlideShare. And I know now that WordPress has a plug-in for SlideShare.
4: That becomes extremely important because of the LinkedIn connection. Isn't that true? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's SlideShare, to show your slide decks, YouTube videos audio I mean your show Kelly you embed as you you well know it's your your website you embed the recordings of this show on your website for people to come and listen to so it's it's ultimately the most extensible version of online interactivity that is available plain and simple and it's it's critical the challenge I think that and really what I'm working on in a project right now is it is it is amazingly powerful and extensible The challenge is that most people don't take the time to get the core foundation built right up front, right? We we just we don't get around to it. I'll use a perfect example. I've had two conversations within the last couple of weeks with clients that own their domain name, you know, bobjones.com, let's say. They own that domain name. Great. They've never done anything with it because they freeze when it comes time to do. This more technical plumbing work to get that site up and established at a core, functional, professional-looking level. And I'm working on something that I think will be a solution for that. We'll talk about hopefully you know a month or two from now. But it's just – it is the core. And if you struggle with time, you struggle with all these different tools, almost everything we've talked about on this show from day one, Kelly, all what – you said 58 shows – Almost mm-hmm. every one of them can be integrated in, in one way or another, with a solid, strong WordPress installation.
2: Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Well, we got about 60 seconds left, Miles. For the audience, give me two, maybe three, whatever time allows, of those must-have plugins. If you're running a WordPress platform, what are, what are some of the really powerful ones that I need to add in? You mentioned the social media scheduling piece. Really like that one. What else have you got?
4: Well, I'll use an example. A lot of your listeners I know are coaches. They they have a coaching business. Uh, there's a, a product called WP Coach Pro, which gives you an opportunity to have private, exclusive, one-on-one conversations with each of your coaching clients. It measures it, it tracks it, it does all the work for you, it does billing if that's a part of your app. Obviously, there's some core ones. One of those, obviously, um, is SEO, and my belief mm-hmm. is SEO by Yoast, Y-O-A-S-T, is in every website I build. I manage over 200 website installations for myself and my clients today, and it's on every one of them, or I don't include it. Um, There's, another. I mean, one of the things that I think people get so caught up in, there are literally hundreds of thousands of these plugins available, many of which are free, right? The challenge is you really have to understand what you're trying to do as a business and have either yourself or someone that can coach you along in that way to identify those key apps and those key plugins. Yeah, very good. Well, th- as, as you
2: heard Miles mention, there is so much that you can do with WordPress that it deserves your full attention. And nobody does it better than Miles Austin. Make sure you find him online, fillthefunnel.com, follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin. And look, if you're if you're looking for some help, if you need somebody to walk you through, a guy that knows what he's doing, you want to contact Miles and make sure you give him the opportunity to take a look at your work. He's going to do a good job for you. Well, that's going to do it for the X's and O's segment. Also going to do it for our show, BizLocker Radio, number 58. This episode is in the can. John Smith, or John Spence, rather, was our guest, and he was fantastic. Miles Austin is always joining us for the X's and O's segment. Next week, Stephen Gaffney. Stick around. If you've got cultural issues, you want to work on communication in a much more granular way, organic way, come and join that show. We're going to talk to one of the premier experts. Special thanks to Michael Sergit, my engineer, who always does a great job. Brandy Jackson is our producer, and thanks to Miles Austin. We're going to catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Find us at bizlockerroom.com. We'll see you next time. This is Kelly Riggs, Biz Locker Radio on Voice America.